What are you wearing? <laughs> sorry. Line, Chris, what? line. Oh, sorry. Let's pop a top on that. <laughs> Cue the music. There's a war going down, put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down, put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. And how Ronnie says it? Did I do it Broken good? Broken Record Ministries. Broken Record Ministries. He says, it, he says it's so it's, He does. It's, it's, it's so, so dramatic. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I might just like I snippet think... his off of the other one and just insert it. There you go. Yeah. Because I, I, I can't do that justice. He kind of... He kind of brings like he kind of like dips it at the end of broken records and then like broken record. Mi- I can't do it. Broken record ministries. Maybe not like that, but <laughs> it's, you're so he, critical. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You can't. You can't mimic. You can't mimic the original. Man. That's true. You can't do it. You want to set the level for us, man? Oh yeah, sure. How do you count cows? How do you count cows? Cows. Cows. Yeah, like the like milk cows or oh, beef cows. What did I say? Cows? Cows. Like a yeah. bunch of guys named Cal? Yeah. Oh, I meant cows. Which I only know one guy named Cal, and he's in a, he's in a comic book. Oh, I don't know any and, cows. Uh, oh, well, the comic book. I know yeah. that's not, that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's let not me, even let a real me, person. Let me, let me rephrase that. I only know of one person named of, Cal. Of one fake individual named Cal? Yeah, but that's not even Cal. It's we're digressing. Sorry. How do you get off cow- track? Okay. How do you count cows? With a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's the level. There it is. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Sorry. No. My no. eyes are welling up. <laughs> I'm too funny. It's a knee slapper. <laughs> <laughs> so today we'll be talking about the vision from Zechariah chapter three, the bottom half of the episode. But before we drop the needle on that, what's new in the wide, wide world of Chris? Oh man, that sounds like a lot. <sighs> well, I mean, it was it was a really busy week for me. Um, I mean, everybody. That's like I'm the only person that had a busy week this week. Ugh, you know. Yeah. But um, I don't know. So <clears throat> I haven't. I didn't really have a chance to like really sit down and think about this is what I want to talk about. But then that kind of led me to well, maybe that is what I want to talk about. Like, yeah. so, you know, generally, I don't know if you want to like divulge when we record, but we're not recording on the typical day we record. I was actually getting ready to say that it didn't help that you shave two days off the, the normal time <laughs> you would have to think of something. Right. Yeah. So yes. Yes. Yeah. We're recording a couple of days earlier. A couple of days normal, earlier. Yeah. yeah. And that, and, and simply because. Now my goal is to break that timestamp rule every single episode. Awesome. Every episode. I'm awesome. sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, you're fine. So this is uh, it's such, no, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> it's currently October ninth. <laughs> nice. That's even that's. I couldn't think of the day. I would have said it, but I couldn't. I think could of tell. It. I could tell. Yeah. Is I read the, my devotion this morning. That's the only reason I knew. Is it the ninth? Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Is it the eighth? I think it's the eighth. Okay. Oh, my, my watch says the eighth. I'm mocking you for not knowing the day. <laughs> 
My, well, that's the thing. My watch could be off. It might not updated. Let's just, let's just, I got to double check. We are viciously timestamping this it one. Is we are timestamping this with authority. October 8th, 8th 2022 okay. at 4.43 p.m. <laughs> Ronnie is angrily clicking <laughs> off his own podcast we're, right now. I guarantee gonna, it. We're going to get kicked off the podcast two, <laughs> the two. second episode in. <laughs> so sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to get that off track with that, but so we switched this new format, right? Mm-hmm. So for the podcast, you for, mean? The po- for the podcast. Yeah. And I didn't want to like derail that. Cause you know, it's, when we were recording for Philly, sometimes, you know, there might be one week where we take off, sometimes two, and we record for a couple of weeks, take off one. But considering we had just such a good week last week, I'm like, man, I don't want to break that. But some stuff came up for so two days from now, I'm going to be busy. I'm like, I really, I really don't know what to do. But I'm like, but, you know, I had a lot of things planned for today as far as like getting stuff done around the house and I'm like, well, so, so I just kept praying about it and thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know what? And it was funny about the time that it was like, it was starting to really weigh on me. Cause I was like, kind of like procrastinating telling you that I didn't want to record on Monday. Uh-huh. You not, it was like maybe 10 minutes after that, you sent me the topic for the episode. And I'm like, <laughs> Like, Which I rarely do. Yeah, yeah, rarely do. That's probably the first time I've actually sent it to you in weeks, mm-hmm. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know you kind of prefer going in blind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was like, well, maybe that's maybe that's a sign. And I just started thinking like, I feel like when when you're on a path and you feel like, you know, you're just getting started, there can be a lot of road bumps. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to remember what, who is putting the roadblocks where, right? And I say that because I, I think God can put roadblocks in your path, but also the devil can as well. Mm -hmm. Two totally different reasons why they're doing that, but they can both be, and I think they're both, they're, they have to be taken for what they are. So, our roadblocks that diverged us away from Philly to join with broken, I think we're from him and they put us on the path we're supposed to be. Absolutely. I agree. Right. But the same, but then there's also at like this one from this week where, okay, now you're, now you're being tested on the other side. Like I'm going to put this roadblock here and see, you know, how committed he is to actually staying on his path. Right. The difference between redirection and right. testing. Yep. Right. Redirecting and testing. But then there's also ones that are there to trip you up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Like, and to make you doubt yourself. Well, and, and that's kind of what I did. I'm like, is it, are you really, are you really that busy on Saturday? Can, can the chores that you had on Saturday not wait until another day to that, you know, so you can take time out Saturday instead of Monday to do the podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it, can you, can you like, and that's where, like I said, I feel like then when you, when you kick that roadblock down for a good reason, like, like, and that's, I, I don't know how I had this really 
good in my mind, good in my mind. It was good in my mind. <laughs> I had it really formulated in my hat in my head, how I wanted to say it, but it's like the difference between paying attention to the roadblocks and then kicking them down. Mm-hmm. Which ones do you, which ones do you pay heed to and which ones do you just plow right through? So I think that's kind of where, uh, and maybe that was just more of a discussion point. Like I didn't look up scripture on it or anything, but it's, I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good thing to bring up that, especially for people that are new in the faith, like you're going to have roadblocks. Yes. But are the roadblocks put there by him for your benefit? Are the roadblocks there? Are, are the roadblocks put there by the enemy to trip you up? It's for you to decide. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, if the if they're there for good reasons, I think if you pray on it, they the the they're they're easier to see and easier to heed mm-hmm. than the ones that are just the ones you just kick down. Right. Right. And it takes discernment and yeah, prayer. Right. Everything should start with prayer. Right. Right. Anytime you're unsure about something, it should start there. Like, why is this happening? What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Should I continue plowing forward? You know what I mean? And, right. and and pray for your strength to overcome the roadblocks or is this is this here to redirect me? Mm-hmm. And he'll give confirmation. If you're asking, he did, you brought up being redirected with the podcast. He gave so many sacred echoes about right. what he wanted from us with this. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can you can tell when it's a storm brought into your life. I, I don't know if I want to say by the adversary, but brought into your life to test your commitment. Right. Because, yeah, sometimes it is from the adversary. I mean, if the adversary wasn't out there trying to trip believers up, then Jesus wouldn't have had us pray the way he does. He mm-hmm. says, you know, deliver us, you know, you know, protect, you know, the prayer that he gives us is is a prayer of protection from temptation and protection from the evil one. Right? Right. And he links those two things together. Right. You know, that's the end of that prayer. It's, it's, it's linked together. The evil one's out there. And he'll use temptation to trip you up, but he'll just... He'll use anything at his disposal to trip you to up. Trip you up. I think that's where also too, when I say, you know, roadblocks put in there by the enemy to test you, not in the same way to test. Like I think God tests us in different ways than the, than the devil does. I, f- I feel and I feel like the enemy will test you in your faith to use it against you when you fail, because inevitably we will. Right, we're humans. And then I feel like he uses that and your guilt and that failure against you. And that's why he puts those roadblocks there. One of the reasons that he does. So I think while there can be roadblocks that are meant to test you, I feel like one is to test your resolve and the other one is to test your faith. But in the sense of, well, you failed. He knows you failed. You're worthless. You don't deserve it. You yep. might as well. You might as well just stay down here because you're never going to get back there, right? So I think that's you know. There's two. I feel like there's very distinct tests of faith there. Right. Well, you know, linking it back to last week's episode on the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. If the enemy had his way, he would want the prodigal son in that parable to just think. 
father's not going to take me back. I might as well just stay in the pig pen. Right. There's no reason to climb out because he will never take me back. I've messed up too much. I've, I've insulted him too deeply. He hates me now. That's mm-hmm. exactly what the enemy whispers in your ear. When, and that's why, that's why Jesus prays, guard from temptation, guard from the evil one. Because right. if you succumb to the, to, to the temptation, the evil one will use your weakness to destroy you. Because mm-hmm. that's his goal. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a reason Peter likens him to a, a, a lion just seeking someone to devour. So when, right. when the devil brings something into your life, his objective is to destroy you. The father allows it because his objective is to perfect you. Right. Right. There, and that's the difference between the two that you're, that you're referencing. Right. Mm-hmm. He, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about refinement before, not in broken record, but well, on the round table we have, right. you know, re- refinement isn't easy. You don't refine metal with anything other than heat. Right. It requires heat, extreme heat to refine metal. There's a reason scripture likens our refinement to that process. Right. Right. I don't What else you got? That's like I said, didn't bring, didn't bring a whole lot, but um, yeah. And I mean, also too, there's the, and so we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and bring this back since uh, we're changing format. So we might have a new um, audience, but it's, it's ever in the back of my head. Now that I have my little one, uh, the, the, the three people that, that you are in your life at some point, mm-hmm. and we've, we've talked about this. So, so for people that are un, unfamiliar with this, I had a, a thought a long time ago that no matter what in your life, you're, you're three things, you're a son or a daughter. Inevitably, it's not a guarantee, but inevitably you are a husband or wife. And then from there, naturally, biblically, naturally, you become a father or mother. Right. Right. So, and where does- The three you, roles that you the will- The three roles. You will at different points in your life fill. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and, and most people are, you know, those three at some point. Right. right. In some form of the word. I mean, you don't have to actually birth a child to be a father to someone. So- well, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It, we're getting out in the weeds, but I'm tripping up on my words here. Moms birth children. Chris. Yeah. Moms birth children. Yes. You don't have to <laughs> sire a child to be a father. Ooh, that's a good word. There you go. Man, it's really good. Sorry. I pull it out every now and then. <laughs> but um, no, so it's just, you know, that, that role is ever present. And, um, I was actually, I was listening to a, po- a different podcast on the way here and it, it made mention of, and it fits pretty nicely with what, 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 with that theme that's always in the back of my head, um, how, how families go astray when, when men are faithless mm-hmm. or even not even present for, for that matter. And, um, and, and, and it's true. You know, we see that in the Bible where, where, where families or nations go astray because the men of the men are not strong in faith. And, uh, it just, I don't know, like I said, there's more to come on that eventually. Cause uh, like I said, that's always a reoccurring theme in the back of my head, but, um, it's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. 
it's one of the promises that he makes that I, I just love the the glimpse into his heart that he gives us that he'll be a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. That's his desire, you know. And when you when you look at the statistics, fatherlessness, it's so weighted when you look at at the results that 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 typically has for children. Yeah. You know what I mean? With fathers that aren't there or that are abusive or absentee, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's crippling. Right. It really is. And, you know, we've talked before, it's so hard to talk to somebody about the father whose only experience with a father is negative. Yeah. Because you tend to project. Mm-hmm. You project your own experiences upon him. And you've got to resist that. You've really got to resist that. Yep. Yeah, I think we when whenever I first brought this up, we made mention of that how it was. It's hard to imagine a an endless love from a father to a son when you've never experienced that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's it, man. That's all you got. You're all tapped out. That's all I got. I'm all tapped. I gave you this top half. (laughs) I know, man. This is your job. I failed. Your job is this first thirty minutes. I know. It's all you. So disappointing. Sorry. I'm joking. I'm not disappointed in you. <laughs> All right. I'll tell a little bit of a story and then we'll shift over. I thought okay. it was pretty cool. You remember when we first started podcasting, we were really transparent about all the confirmations we were getting. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like we would come into the podcast and we'd talk about, oh, this is how, how God confirmed this, this topic we were going to be on. And at some point we sort of strayed a little bit from that. Right. And I don't really know why, but I, I kind of want to get back to that a little bit because I think it's important for people to hear how he'll speak to you. Right. Because we almost have this idea of God that he's just, he's sort of over there off to the side somewhere. Mm-hmm. He exists. He does things. But then when we talk about the things he very specifically does in our life, we sort of shy away from that for some reason. Right. And I think it's important for people to remember how personal he really is. Mm-hmm. He's a personal God that will Absolutely. speak to you. Absolutely. 100% he will. Go. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. I think, I think we, we kind of, I think we actually talked about that off mic and I kind of remember the conversation. So I'll share a little bit of it. I think it was more of the sense where we were fearful that people would shy away from mm-hmm. the podcast simply because, you know, and I hate to go here, but I'm going to, I blame a lot of that on either social media and or quote unquote Hollywood, mm-hmm. because every time you see somebody that says, the Lord spoke to me or I I heard the Lord's voice or something like that outside of a Christian based media. They're perceived as a mentally ill person. Yes. I'll the, be honest the, with you. The people, the people sitting on the side of the, the road with the big sign, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And they've, they're like hairs all a wreck and they're all in dirty, ratted clothes. And you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're, they're portrayed as a mess yeah, and somebody to shy away from because you don't want to be associated with, with them. You, well, you right? see that, you see that attitude in the churches, even you see it preached like what you're kind of talking about that. If somebody talks about the ways that he's talking to me, revealing things to me, right? you know what I mean? Then they're treated like they're, they're nuts. They really mm-hmm. are. They're treated like they're nuts. Cause like I've heard it preached frequently recently especially like there seems to be an uptick of it that you know god doesn't speak to us the way he used to he's not as active as he used to be the only way god speaks to us now is just the preaching of the word from a pulpit and that's it mm-hmm. that's not true right i'm sorry yes that is the primary way 
But that's not true. It's, it, it is not true that he only speaks to you from the physical Bible in front of you. Now, I'm not saying that he won't use that. He primarily mm-hmm. will. Like a lot of the confirmations I get, it's like flipping open to my Bible and then he speaks to me through his word. Right. But there are other ways he will speak to you too. And to pretend like there's not, it limits him. Yep. It, it, it highly limits the father. And I think that's dangerous. It's mm-hmm. dangerous territory to, to tell him that I'm going to put you in a box and, and disallow you from interacting with me in these certain ways because they're quote, air quotes weird. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If, if we right. truly believe in a sovereign, almighty, supernatural God, why do we consider it weird that he would speak to us in supernatural ways? Right. It just doesn't make any sense. I think, I think that's the, the key point that you made there. When you put the word supernatural on it, people, people think like supernatural, like mm-hmm. bad, the bad supernatural, like paranor- para- right. paranormal. Is yeah. that, that the mm-hmm. word I'm looking for? Yep. Paranormal stuff. Yeah. I think they, I think they go there and it's like, well, this person actually isn't hearing God. He's possessed by a demon or, yeah. or something, which does, I, I can't believe that can't happen, but there's just, I think there's just such a stigma on it. I think that, so too. That it's, you know, and I've, I've actually had this conversation with other, with other believers and other people that I've known where, you know, and, and the, I always ask him, well, do you believe the Bible is true? Absolutely. I do. Okay. So everything in, everything in the Bible happened in the Bible, the way that it is described in the Bible. Yeah. So he, he, he blew out the, the walls of, of Jericho. Oh yeah. You know, he parted the Red Sea or the Reed Sea. Yeah. He, he led them across the desert with a pillar of fire. Yes. The, you know, Esau or Esau, the guy that touched the Ark of the Covenant, died instantly. It's just all kinds of stuff like that. All things that we've talked about on the show. You believe it's all true? Well, yeah. Well, then <laughs> how can you say you think the, the same God that did all that, that has these cosmic powers that created the cosmos, can't put two and two things in your life together to make you see him? Exactly. That he can't, that he can't have a conversation with you if you still yourself and talk to him. Yeah. He can't put things in your life to show you a true path. I mean, he can create a pillar of fire in the desert to lead his people across it at night, but he can't, he can't speak to you when the sun rises and you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I'm like, how there's a disconnect. Yeah. How can you, yeah, it's, it's, and you know, there's people that say, well, you know, the, you know, when, when Christ died on the cross and, and was taken to heaven, things changed. And I get that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think you, you literally like hear the words of God from a burning bush anymore. Like, I don't think those kinds of things happen, but I do think he talks to us. In different ways. Yeah. Well, and it's not like those things happened every day either. Right. Even back then. It's, you know, it's not like he was, he was talking to bushes to everybody that passed by. Yeah. It was a, it was a very unique individual in history. So I would, I would slightly disagree. I think he absolutely would do something like that. And when we read, when we read the account of revelation and what's going to happen in the future, he does do 
thing similar to that again. You know what I mean? Right. But again, in a very limited way. It's not like it happens all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A.W. Tozer has a quote, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it because I can't remember it exactly, but he essentially said, anything that God did in the past, he can do today. Right. Any way that he spoke to somebody in the past, he can speak to somebody today. And, and when we limit him, I think it's a mistake because it's almost like we're, we're deafening our ears to him speaking to us in certain ways. Right. Like we're un, unwilling to hear him in that way. And, you know, I have to add, because I've heard that argument too, that after, in, and usually they, they won't say after the cross it changed because we have the book of Acts. And clearly there were supernatural things happening then, but they'll mm-hmm. say, well, once we got the full canon of scripture, then he stopped speaking in that way. So they have to lean toward the church fathers. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask, it, did he, did, did we stop seeing him speak in that way because he stopped or did he stop? Did we stop hearing him speak in that way because we drifted? Right. We stopped listening. And I would argue when you study out the church fathers and their behavior, I would say we drifted. Mm-hmm. I don't think we, we stopped hearing him because he stopped speaking to us in that way. I think we drifted away. And a lot of the people he probably was speaking to in that way, we burned at the stake. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm, so yeah, so let me kind of, let me kind of amend what I just said. I, 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 it's not like, you know, there's going to be a, there's not like a telephone that you can go and just pick up and talk to him. Right. But you know, so I, but like you said, for by and large, but, but I think that's what people expect. Like if, and I, and I don't know, I think it's maybe like the hero complex, right? Mm-hmm. Where you want so much to be the person that God speaks to, like if he's speaking to someone else, is there, is there a pang of jealousy there? Like, <laughs> yeah. would you, would you, would you sit there and listen to somebody and, and really pay attention to when they say that God spoke to me and then not have the thought of, well, why didn't he speak to me? Yeah. Am I, am I not worthy to be spoken to? Well, maybe you weren't listening. Yeah, like you should have been. Maybe that jealousy is a pride issue that's right. that's creating a separation there. Right. You know what I mean? Because I've I've been there. And I, I've I've been at a place where he wasn't speaking to me at all, or uh, he was, but I wasn't listening because mm-hmm. my pride, my sin, was in the way. You know what I mean? So I I firmly believe he'll speak to anybody if they truly seek him. Right. But seek him his way. Right. And that's another thing too is I don't think he speaks to us all in. The same way. I don't either. I find. I think it's tailored to the person. Yeah, I find. I find. <laughs> going into another another section of our uh, truth nuggets, <laughs> all throughout my life, just by little things that happen, and I sit there, and it's me. I, you know, if 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 you call it that, some people don't. I do praying on the way home from from work, or you know, when I'm laying, you know, drifting off to sleep, and I'm just going over my day. And and making accounts in my head of what I did and what I didn't do, what I should have done. And that's me talking with him. And then he's, hey, you know, this happened and you, you, you missed this opportunity or, you know, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. Just like a father would tucking, tucking in a child or talking with them on the way to the hardware store or whatever, you know, or after the big game on the way home. Just I find I find more inspiration in those moments than most people I feel like other people do, mm-hmm. but that's just me. Right. Like I don't, I'm not a dreamer. I'm not a, I don't know, a thinker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like but it's the small things that, that I find 
the truth in, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This, this feeling that you have right here of fulfillment is how I, is how you're supposed to know me personally. Not, I'm not saying this for everybody. Finding fulfillment in those small things is what makes me is him. I feel like is his way of telling me, sorry, I've drifted off there. Uh, it's his way of telling me I'm on, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I think it's custom tailored and, and since you brought up dreams, I'll tell my little story and then we'll coming up on our break. Uh But we had decided last week that we were going to talk about Zechariah chapter three today. Yep. And the reason we'll, we'll get into the reason when we get into that study on the, on the bottom half of the episode, but we'd already decided that. Zechariah chapter three, Joshua, the high priest, we were going to talk about that, you know, and I always kind of look for confirmations that I'm on the right track, that he doesn't want to redirect me on to a different topic, Mm -hmm. try to stay open, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And and malleable to him. And so I go to a Wednesday night Bible study, right? And the one leading the Bible, it was Micah, it's pastor Micah leading the Bible study. And he was like, he started off, he was like, I believe God still speaks to people through dreams. He emphasized that, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I've, I've experienced it. And he's like, so tonight I want to look at Zechariah chapter four. I couldn't remember. I knew what we wanted to talk about Joshua the high priest, but I'll be honest with you, I forgot what chapter of Zechariah is in. I just knew mm-hmm. it was in Zechariah. And I'm like, I wonder how close that is to, to what Chris and I were going to talk about. Open my Bible up and where it is in my Bible Chapter four is right beneath. So chapter three is the top of the page and then chapter four. Yeah. So we're, we're sitting on the page where we were going to be today anyway. Right. Right. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like almost right on the button and pretty close. And uh, like it. Right on, right on the nose. Right on the nose. Pun yeah. intended. <laughs> Got tire iron to the nose. Does it still hurt? It does. A little bit. <laughs> so he starts, he, again, he emphasizes, you know, I believe that God speaks to people through dreams. And then he starts reading it and he focused in on a specific verse. And then I remembered something that I experienced. So weeks ago, I had had this dream and it was super simple. It was just a voice. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. It was a voice that woke me up, right? I, I had the voice in the dream and the voice in the dream woke me up. And all the voice said was Zechariah verse 50. Did I ever tell you that story? I, it sounds familiar, but go ahead and recount it. Yeah, that's all yeah. it said. Just said Zechariah verse five. It was during a period when I was kind of struggling, right? Dealing with some spiritual attacks and and having a hard time trying to fight the battle on my own. Right. Right. As we tend to do. We tend to try to fight the battle on our own instead of letting him fight it for us. Like we're cautioned to do, mm-hmm. correct? It just says Zechariah verse fifty. And I wake up and I'm like, Zechariah verse fifty. I, I know off the top of my head, there's not a single chapter in Zechariah that has 50 verses, right? So I'm flipping through. I'm like, that must have just been out of nowhere, you know? Something told me, count the verses out. Okay. So I count the verses out from the top of Zechariah. And the 50th verse of Zechariah is chapter 4, verse 6. And that was the verse that Micah narrowed in on and focused on for the Bible study this week. And it mm-hmm. says not by strength, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Most High. It's him telling him, don't depend on your own strength, don't depend upon your own might, your own intellect, your own capability, 
your own human alliances only depend on me. It's a poetic way of saying, let me fight the battle for you. Right. Let me fight the battle for you and you will succeed. I'll succeed through you. Right. It was mind blowing for me. Right. Right. Just all the, the way that all coalesced. He's like, he, he emphasizes, I believe God speaks to speaks through dreams. Still takes us to, to chapter four, narrows in on verse six, which I happen to have a dream about weeks before. Mm-hmm. And it's right under where we were going to focus on today. Mm-hmm. God still speaks. Right. I don't care what anybody tells you. He still speaks. If you were open to listening to him and you're seeking him and following him, seek, seeking to striving to follow him his way, he speaks. Yep. Let him. Let him speak to you. I'm not unique. I'm not special. Believe me. I'm, I would consider myself below everybody listening to this podcast. The things I've done, I consider myself on the bottom of the pile. My goal is to lift everybody else up if I can. Right. If he's willing to speak to me, promise you. He's willing to speak to you. You just got to listen. With that, let's go ahead and take our music break. Cool. Unless you have something. No. So yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Good segue. Good. So this week, we're going to be playing a song called Take Me Back by ASAP Preach. It's one of my favorites. I hope you like it. Also, as a reminder, if any of you listening have original music you would like us to consider featuring on future episodes of Digging Deeper, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at brokenrecordministries.com or I'm sorry, brokenrecordministries at gmail.com and we'll work on getting it transferred so we can listen to it, consider it, all that good stuff. But like I say, we would love to feature feature your music if, if you have original music. But uh, again, be sure to stay tuned for the bottom half of the episode for this week's study on the clean robes. 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 I like robes. robes. I'll be glad when they come back inside. What about you? I mean, I like robes. I like robes too. Robes are good. <laughs> they can't they can be kind of cumbersome, but Yeah, that's all right. All right. <laughs> Again, this is Take Me Back by ASAP Preach. Talk at you in a few. Still had your arms up and wide 
You ran your arms up and why do you still take me back? Lord, I'm ballin' When you take me back, back, back I need you, will you take me back, back, back You take me back Oh Lord, I need you to take me back, back, back After all I've done Will you take me back, back, back Will you take me back I need you, need you to take me back I know, I fell away from you Yeah, I know, I know My identity's found in you And I know, oh You will leave the 99 just to come back up to me, yeah, I know This I know You forgave me I am made clean I was stuck in depression, man, I was stressing And your strength helped me break free, you Knew where I was hiding I was searching for love, couldn't find it Had a broken heart, I couldn't breathe Can you take this away from me? Surrender my life, we save it Been a couple weeks, I ain't prayed yet Feels like my whole life I've been waiting I've been battling depression, I can't take it Know you gave me life for my sins Never knew how hard this life is Lord, you died for the life of my friends I'ma lift my hands, will you take me back, back, back Will you take me back? I need you, need you take me back, back, back you take me back? Oh Lord, I need you to take me back, back, back After all I've done Will you take me back, back, back Will you take me back? I need you, need you to take me back I know, I fell away from you I know, I know My identity's found in you And I know, oh You will leave the 99 just to come back after me Yeah, I know Yes, I know And we are back again. That was Take Me Back by ASAP Preach. So this week we're talking about Zechariah chapter 3, specifically the clean robes. Hence the weird, awkward introduction. All right. I will say that right before the break, you asked me about if I was excited about robes. I think in this sense, robes is just like another, like they're interchanging the word garments. Yeah. Like, clean clothes don't take this from me chris <laughs> i'm sorry i want the robes all right i was like if you were to say like cloaks yeah dude i'm all i'm all oh, yeah, over, cloaks are cool i'm all i'm all over cloaks yeah I mean, they're, cool. they're, they're functional and they they're like they're like half hoodies half capes i mean cloaks yeah and you can i'm not talking like toga Is no that the image you have in your mind like a, no, like a weird roman toga no i'm thinking like i'm thinking like like robes like, like bathrobes. Well, help me out with the image I got in my mind. So well, this is going bath, sideways real quick. Bathrobes tend to be shorter. Like I'm thinking, like, like whenever, whenever they do like a coat of many colors type thing. Like, have you ever seen like the, the, the musical, the Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, where he has like the big full. Yeah, it's it's a it's a robe, but it's like got the big arms and. It's, flow it's like flowy like yeah like yeah king's robes i guess and like any medieval show that you'd see they're, they're always got this like 
almost like a big overcoat, like a robe. That's what I'm thinking, like like kingly robes. I gotcha. Yeah. My mind, I'm thinking more like Jedi style. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not trying to push Star Wars here, but man, those yeah. robes they, they wear, rocking. Yeah. I dig it. I could see it. I want that in style. Yeah. I want to be able to wear that without everybody thinking I'm weird. Right on. You know? Maybe I just shouldn't care. Maybe we should just start wearing it. Just start wearing the robes. Just start doing it. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Well, so, but then like, would you do like, and this is, again, we're getting off of the weeds, but That's would you right. do like the, would you do like the, the traditional like Jedi clothing underneath the Jedi robes? Or would it be like, just like jeans and a t-shirt and then you put like the Jedi robes on over that? Jeans and a t-shirt would make it look weird. Right. Weirder. Weirder than it already would be. Yeah. So you probably just you have to go, you have to go like full on. I probably have to. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You got to have the full experience. Cool. I get it. Yeah. Do you right. really, are you just, are no, you I can, just no, I can kind of see it. Humoring me. I can kind of see it. I don't know. Like I think, I think again, not to mix, not to mix too hard, but like, I think more like, like Harry Potter style, like, they have like somewhat modern clothes, but then they have like the their their robes that go on over those. Yeah. Like I know you're not much on the Harry Potter show on the movies, but that's what I kind of think of like Yeah, if we can just strip the paganism out of yeah, it. Yeah, the whole, the robes, yeah. Yeah, the whole black magic aspect out of that. <laughs> yeah, for for sure. I'm just saying like the wardrobe from the movie. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, yeah. Same thing with Star Wars. Yeah. Pull Buddhism out of it and yeah. the robes are great. Are the whole, the metachlorines create life. No, oh, so there's good. only one being that does that. And he's not a microorganism. Yep. I can tell you that. <laughs> so the reason we came to Zechariah chapter three and the topic of the clean robes in general was last week we talked about the parable of the prodigal son. And there's a specific point where the father puts, has, has the slaves put clean robes on the son and a ring. We talked about the ring, but we sort of glossed over the robes. So we said that that would get us too off into the weeds and it would take too much time. Well, I was going to say, I, I thought this was, that was kind of what we said was we'd have to go, we could have a whole nother episode on clean robes. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's, why, that's why we're having we a new episode. This is a new episode. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Ta-da, here we are. Oh, okay. Well, you're questioning me. <laughs> right. Here can we you, are. This is a new episode. Can, can you put like a link? <laughs> To this new episode when we mentioned that in the other one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Click on here to hear more. <laughs> so Zechariah, Zechariah chapter three is actually one of my favorite accounts. Right. It's it's one of my favorite chapters in scripture. And uh, we're going to go through it. Go, go ahead. I was, I'll be honest. It was new to me. So. Was it? It was a good reading. I love it. I love it. We're going to go through it verse by, verse by verse. We'll just go through the whole chapter and we'll just discuss it as we go. Okay. So I think it's, it's important to, to unpack this one because it's. It's pretty powerful. I'll stop trying to lead you off course. No, you're good. I need it. So to frame this, the the prophet Zechariah is receiving visions from an angel from God. Mm -hmm. Okay. So context is king. Context, yes. So we're skipping chapters one and two, going straight to three, but he's in the midst of having these visions. And the very first verse says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. And stop right there because understanding the historical context here is also important. So Zechariah lived during the time of the rebuilding of the second temple. So the same time period as Ezra, the scribe, 
and within the same century as Nehemiah. So Ezra came to rebuild the temple. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah came later to rebuild the walls. And within that time frame, within that roughly 100-year span, you have uh, the prophet Zechariah, you have the prophet Haggai, you also mm-hmm. have Esther. That that whole account occurred within that same time period. Right. So early on in that time period, we have we have Zechariah here, and Joshua the high priest was the high priest that was there for the rebuilding of the temple. So he was the one that would be he would have been overseeing the building project, and he would have been the one charged with consecrating the temple when it was completed. So he's an important figure. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a very important individual that the Most High elevates during this critical period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So continuing verse one, it says, Joshua, the high priest, and again, sorry, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, Okay, just so everybody knows. He showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So we're going to stop there. This is important because first off, the angel of, of the Lord, we haven't talked about it on, on broken record. Uh, I don't believe we talked about it on the other podcast, mm-hmm. but I don't want to get too off, off course on this, but I believe that in most cases or perhaps all cases, the angel of the Lord is probably the pre-incarnate Christ. Mm-hmm. It seems like it, it seems like it based upon the way he frames himself and the way scripture frames, frames him. So for example, it'll often, and we'll see it here uh, in verse two, it's the angel of the Lord talking, but it says, the Lord said to Satan. You see this a lot. You see the angel of the Lord presented as separate from, from the Most High, but then when he starts talking, it's as if the Most High himself is speaking, right. like they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm. You see the same thing occur in Judges chapter six with the Gideon account. Right. And, and, and we know that Jesus speaks in the place of the Father. Right, he says that himself right. to us. So that's just my belief. It's my opinion. I believe that this is probably probably the pre-incarnate Christ, and that that's important moving forward in this because of the imagery that we're going to see toward the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Satan, we know who he is, yeah. and and in Hebrew, it's the same. Satan, Satan is the same in Hebrew and English, and that literally means accuser or adversary. So in this case, he's fulfilling his role as an accuser. Yeah. So. Essentially, what we have is we have the angel of the Lord standing as the authority figure, and then we have Joshua, the high priest, and Satan standing side by side, and Satan's accusing Joshua. So it's, it's like a trial. It's framed like a trial. So you have the angel of the Lord standing as a judge. You have Joshua, the high priest, standing as defendant, and you have Satan standing as the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what we have framed out for us here. Right. Verse 2 says, The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? It's talking about Joshua there. Joshua is a brand plucked from the fire. How do you take that? What does that mean to you? Um, that I was not prepared for because mine, mine's a different translation. What does yours say? So mine says the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Snatched from the fire. I like that. Right. So a burning stick snatched from snatched from the fire, whereas yours was a a brand, brand. plucked from the fire. Okay. I like that word snatched. Right. Snatched from the fire. Fire is destructive. 
Right. The purpose of a fire is to destroy. Right. Especially when it's a stick. Mm-hmm. Right. When it's right. metal, it can refine, but when it's a stick, stick it just burns. It just burns. It just burns and destroys. So to save the stick, you would have to pull it out of the fire. Right. I want to link this to Amos chapter five, verse eleven, real quick, because I think it's important to understand what he's really saying here. Amos chapter five, verse eleven says, Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact I'm sorry. Chapter four, verse eleven. Started reading that. I'm like, that ain't right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I apologize. Yeah. Amos chapter four, verse eleven says, "I overthrew you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand snatched from a blaze. Yet you have not returned to me," declares the Lord. What he's talking about there is rescuing his people. They 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 brought the calamity, the fire upon themselves, and even though they brought it upon themselves, the Lord said, "I snatched you from the fire. I rescued you." It's the same thing here. It's right. it's it's almost it's it's the identical phrase that we find here in reference to Joshua the high priest. He's saying, "I choose to rescue him." Now, placing this in the imagery of the trial, I think what essentially is being said here, since the angel of the Lord is standing as judge, he's saying, "I acquit him." Mm-hmm. Satan's trying to prosecute Joshua to say he's not worthy of the work that you've elevated him to. Right? Right. He's guilty. He can't do the work because he's guilty. And the Most High says, I acquit him. I don't care what you say. It doesn't matter. Right. To, you know, for him to, to, to say, I rebuke you, Satan, essentially the Most High is saying, stop talking. You're done talking. Your accusations are done. I choose to rescue him. I choose to acquit him of all crimes. Right. Make sense? Mm-hmm. You have any further thoughts on that? No. So then moving on to verse three. Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, and this part's important, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes, or clean robes. Mm-hmm. Reason that's important here, for one thing, we, we, we have a contrast created between the filthy garments that he was wearing and the clean robes that the Most High puts on him. Right. Joshua doesn't put the robes on himself. The Most High does. But he creates a direct link between the filthy garments and sin. That's what iniquity is. It's sin. Yeah. So he says the filthy garments that he's wearing are, it, it's a picture of sin. One of the important takeaways here is Satan is a liar. But his, accu- his accusations aren't always untrue. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, we have painted for us a picture that the accusations that Satan was throwing at Joshua were technically true. And easy to believe. Yeah. He was a sinner. Yep. He had committed sin. He was covered in iniquity. He was covered in filth. And technically, he was unworthy. Right. That's why I say it was easy to believe because his outward appearance Correct. portrayed him as a sinner. Yeah. I think about that for a second. That means that Joshua, the high priest, in this vision— presented himself before the Most High filthy. Mm-hmm. He came into the presence of the Most High covered in his sin. But we also have a picture of Joshua not saying anything in his own, in his own defense, which I think is, is itself the omission of him speaking, I think, is a picture of Joshua the high priest's humility. I think he's sort of like that tax collector in the parable that he wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven because right. he knew he was guilty. He was He was keenly and acutely aware of the filth he was wearing. Right. He knew that the accusations Satan were throwing, Satan was throwing were true. 
and he had no defense and he didn't lie in his own defense. He just took it. Yep. And as a reward for that, the most high tells Satan, shut up. And then he says, take the filthy garments off Joshua. I'm going to clean him with clunk. I'm going to clothe him with my own righteousness. Right. I'm going to do it for him. Yep. Verse five. Then I, Zechariah said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. I'm going to stop there. Ways there is the Hebrew Derek. And it literally means a road or a manner, a manner as in your conduct. Mm-hmm. Right. So when it's, when it's speaking of, uh, when it's, when it's, when it's used allegorically is your conduct, your, your behavior, right? Right. Your mode of action. I want to read something before we move on from that, okay. before you give any thoughts on what you have there. I want to read something from Deuteronomy chapter 10. I guess you could give any thoughts you have while I'm flipping pages. I didn't no. bookmark like I should have. No, it's Okay. <laughs> no, so I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the oh, I can't say plead the fifth because I'm not, but this this verse kind of ties in with my final thought, so I don't want to give that away. Oh, perfect! So. <laughs> All right. So Deuteronomy chapter ten, verses twelve and thirteen. I'm gonna read real quick. Now Israel, this is the most high speaking. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, Derek, and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? So he's saying, walk out my ways, Mm -hmm. right? That's what he's saying there. And in case we don't know what he's talking about or we're tempted to twist his words, he follows up with verse 13 that says, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. So he specifies and clarifies here that his manner of conduct, his ways, the manner of conduct that he tells us that we are to, to live in and to walk in are, direct, are, are directly related to his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances. Right. And he says this in the book of Deuteronomy, and we have this same thing linked here with if you will walk in my ways. Right. Remember, this is after he's he has his sins removed. All right. So read read your chapter or read your verse seven again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. Okay. So mine is this is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements. That's hence, a lot stronger. Yeah. Hence where you went to Deuteronomy. That's that's the only reason that I brought it up was because it was funny. You went to to Deuteronomy and linked it to his the requirements that he gives us. Like, right. It's not just 
do whatever you want. It's you, there's certain requirements that go along. It's like, there's, this is a job. This is, you have things you have to do. It's, it's, it's a relationship. I, yes. I shouldn't say job. That's, it's a relationship. An expectation. Right. Yeah. You know, after, after the acquittal, after the cleansing, this is what I want from you. Yep. This is, this is what I want you to strive in. Right. That's what he's essentially telling yeah. Joshua here. Yeah. It's not a get a, not get out of jail free card, scot free. It's, I, there are certain things that, that you're going to be required to do to keep, right. to keep this up, to keep going. Yeah. yeah. And the contrast created here, remember Joshua had um, filthy garments on before. And it, it defines those filthy garments as representative of sin. So the opposite, the festal garments, the opposite is what? Walking in his ways. Right. So we have both, we have both garments defined for us. It clearly defines the filthy garments as acts of iniquity. But then he's clothed with, clothed with the clean robes. And remember, he didn't clothe himself. The Most High did that for him. Right. Actually, it's, let me see here. Make sure before I say this. Okay, yeah. So the angel of the Lord, who I believe is the preeminent Christ, is standing there while he's being cleansed and while he's being clothed with clean with clean garments. The right. reason I think that's important is because the, I, I think this paints a picture of Jesus' work in our life. Mm-hmm. He puts his righteousness on us. Right. It's, it's, it's for metaphorically, he removes our filthy garments, our sin, and he clothes us with his righteousness, right? He puts it on us. He does the work, right? He puts it on us. Just like with the parable of the prodigal son, we have the same picture here painted. The prodigal son comes filthy, right. comes into the father's presence, filthy from the sin that he'd engaged in, in his straying and his wandering away from the father's house. Before the father brings him back into the house, though, he embraces him. For The first thing right. he does is to embrace him. It's the very first thing he does. He embraces him out of love. Mm-hmm. Before he brings him into the house, though, he has him clothed with clean robes. It's the very first thing he does, right? Right. Then he brings him into the house. We have the exact same picture painted here. Right. Joshua comes into the presence of the Most High, filthy with his sin, being accused by Satan himself. First thing, he, he, he acquits him which is a, it's, it's the father embracing him. So the acquittal represents the father embracing him, right? As mm-hmm. a son yeah, and rescuing him. The very next thing he does is to take the filthy garments off of him and clothe him in clean robes, to clothe him in righteousness. Right. And the contrast created here, the clean robes represent his ways, the ways of the most high. And the expectation is that we wouldn't take the clean robes and run right back to the pig pen, right? Right that we would strive, at least attempt, make an effort at walking out his ways. Right. That's what he commands Joshua here. Mm-hmm. If you will walk in my ways, then I'll make you successful. Yep. Right. As a high priest, you will be successful for me. This next section of the chapter is where it gets really interesting. This, this next section really spoke to me. Did so it? It's, it gives me goosebumps. As yeah. you, it's going to as you read it. Awesome. Do you have a lot of thoughts to share on it? Eight, eight and nine. Well, like I said, they're kind of my final thoughts. So oh, okay. I won't give too much away. All right. Yeah. So verse eight, now listen, Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, indeed, they are men who are a symbol for behold, I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Who's the branch? 
Does yours say something different? No, it says the branch. But I have a weird, I have a weird a side note. Mm-hmm. It's I, and I don't really know. What's it say? It just says. I, sometimes this 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 study Bible I have confuses me. It says, "I am going to bring my servant the branch." And then, oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm reading against. My sub notice for the next one isn't for the next, for the next verse. Oh, I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're okay. So to answer your question, the branch, uh, I would say that is Joshua because he referred to him as a stitch snack, snatched from the fire. So I'm going to bring my servant, Joshua. I think Joshua, and that was actually going to be my thought on this. I think Joshua is a picture of the branch. The branch is Jesus. Oh. It's a reference to the branch of David, the root of the root uh, of Jesse. Yeah, that makes sense of why it is why it is capitalized in my Bible. Yeah, and you also yeah, and and we'll see in verse nine it gets really heavy handed with the messianic imagery. Okay, it, it makes it makes extra sure that you know that it's talking about the coming Messiah here, which is interesting because the angel remember the angel of the Lord standing here for all this, and I believe that is that that is him. Oh yeah, I see it now. What you're talking about. Yeah. About, yeah. Sorry. Which No, you're good. What's cool here is it says that, that Joshua and his friends are a symbol. I want to focus on Joshua himself being a symbol because I believe, like, like we just alluded to, I believe that Joshua himself is a picture of the Messiah mm-hmm. in, this, in this situation. For one thing, right down to his name. It's interesting that of all the people that the Most High could have elevated during this time in history to be high priest, it would be a man named Joshua because... The name of Jesus in Hebrew is actually probably Yeshua. The we've we've transliterated that name through through the centuries. So Yeshua became Iesus mm-hmm. in Greek. And in the sixteenth century with the advent of the J, they added a hook to the I, and that's how we get Jesus. Yeah. So it went from Iesus to Jesus. It's innocent how it occurred, right? But that's how we go from because Iesus is the nearest is the nearest equivalent to Yeshua. In Hebrew, but Jesus is not the nearest equivalent to Yeshua in Hebrew. Right. We do, we get that through transliteration. Yeah. But if you want to be technical, that's not how names should properly be handled. A name properly handled brings it into the nearest equivalent from the original to the language in question. Yeah. So we brought the name Yeshua through multiple languages. Yeah. And that's how we get Jesus. It's it's. I'm not saying I'm not saying he doesn't hear you if you call upon the name Jesus. Right. He knows who you're talking about. Which we've talked right. about that we have. on the podcast, yeah. But not on this one. On Some this of the one, people yeah. listening to this one may not have heard us talk about that. But so I'm not I'm not getting sacred namer on you. Just explaining yeah. how the name was transliterated. The nearest equivalent to Yeshua in English is Joshua. Yeshua is the Hebrew version of Joshua. Right. And we have Joshua the high priest here, and we're told that he's a symbol. And I mm-hmm. believe that he's a symbol or a a a metaphor for Jesus for Yeshua. And we'll see why here in a second. Yeah. So verse nine, and this is worse. Verse nine and 10, it gets really heavy with the imagery. So we're going to take a couple minutes and that's the end of the chapter. We'll take a couple minutes to, to dig into that, discuss, and then have our final thoughts. This will be a a little bit of a shorter study, I guess, but that's okay. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone. Actually, let me pause right there. 
the stone here, it, that can actually be a cornerstone. Because I think we read that and we think of like a rock. Right. I think what it's talking about here is actually a cornerstone. And the reason that's significant is because remember, Joshua the high priest lived during the time of the rebuilding of the temple. Mm -hmm. So in all actuality, Joshua the high priest probably presided over the laying of the cornerstone for the second temple. So that's probably what it's physically representing here, physically pointing to is the, the cornerstone that was set down in Joshua's presence. Right. The stone that I've set before Joshua. So a physical stone was set before Joshua. Yeah, because I mean, you think about it, most of the time, whenever you see it, in, well, I'm kind of giving away the next couple of verses. Let me read I, that real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Let me finish verse nine. We'll just, I'll read out verse nine, then we'll talk about the whole thing. Yeah. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. We're going to talk about this verse in each part. Okay. So again, that first part, the stone is a cornerstone. Go ahead with your thoughts. No, I just, I think that's made clear in the fact of, you know, whenever you see a, that you said it's the cornerstone of the temple, whenever you see an inscription on a building, normally it is on a cornerstone of that building. Yes, absolutely. Laid down, laid down circa whatever, blah, 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 dedicated to whoever that that certain building is whoever founded it or whatever reason right but yeah so i think that kind of you know solidifies that this that i think that's evidence to solidify your thought of that it's it's the it's the cornerstone or the starting of the temple and you're you're referring to him putting an inscription on it right yeah <clears throat> yeah okay yeah. so and this is the second the, the the second clear image of the messiah here is the cornerstone so I'm going to read a couple of verses, and, I, and again, I didn't bookmark anything, and I apologize, but the first verse I want to read is from Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23. And it says, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. It's a reference to Jesus. So he's talking about the future Messiah, the cornerstone. So I think it's one of the first points. This may be the, the, the first place you, hear, you see him referred to as the cornerstone. Right. So Jesus is called the cornerstone. And I want to confirm that with a New Testament reference. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And in that reference, Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So he's, he's pulling from Psalm 118 there to confirm that what, what Psalm 118 is referring to is Jesus. Jesus right. is the cornerstone. And then he goes further to claim that the people of God who are brought in to covenant with the Most High through the atoning sacrifice, through the sprinkling of blood from Jesus, are a temple. So they're, they're, they're the reality that the temple was pointing to. So Jesus is the cornerstone that's laid so that we— the temple of God could be built upon. Could be built, yep. 
what did Joshua the high priest here preside over? Building of the second temple. The building of the temple. The messianic imagery is all over this chapter. It's, it's, this whole chapter is new covenant messianic imagery. Everything about this is new covenant messianic imagery. It's all pointing to the new covenant, the true temple and the true cornerstone with Joshua standing as a symbol for all of it. Right. Right. It's very powerful stuff. And the seven eyes. That sounds weird, right? Mm -hmm. Like a rock with seven eyes on it. I don't think it's like actually like seven eyes. Like it has seven eyes. I think it's like seven eyes gazing upon it. Looking at it. And correct me if I'm wrong. Because this is where. This is a debatable thing. So there's no real wrong answer. Well, Well, there probably are wrong answers. Yeah, I'm just saying like. I'm not, I have a basic Bible background. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a, so there was seven nations, right? Of, of God at the, at, right. Cause then it, the, the people went out and they, the land was divided into seven nations. Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. So I can't say yes All or right. no to that. So, well, that that's where I was going with that was like, basically like, all eyes are watching this. Like right. the whole world is watching what's going on here. That's an interesting connection. I've never heard that. Uh, you, you do see seven repeated a lot. Right. Right. It's a, the most high uses the number seven and the number 12 very frequently, mm-hmm. very frequently. We see the seven pillars of wisdom, you know, from Solomon. We, we, we see right. the seven churches in revelation. You see it quite frequently. Uh, the reason I wanted to narrow in on this and it wasn't to, 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 I don't know exactly what it means by seven eyes. I can't tell you a hundred percent. Okay. There are theories about it. Right. But I do think it, it again points to Jesus and I wanted to highlight that. Okay. However, I do want to mention that there's a niche argument out there that this shouldn't be translated as eyes, that, that that's somehow a bad translation and it should be seven fountains. My, I reject that. Go ahead. But go ahead. As I was say that this is where my note came in. Mine would say, there are seven facets on that one stone. So the translation is, it says eyes or facets. Yeah. And that's probably not wrong. Some would say it means like a spring of water. The reason that's incorrect is because in, in, in Hebrew, a word can carry the masculine or the feminine, right? A a Hebrew word can be made masculine or feminine. The meaning of the word can change depending upon whether it's masculine or feminine. This word for eyes here is in the masculine and it means eyes. Okay. Uh, if it was in the feminine, yes, it could mean a fountain of water, but it's not. It's it's the masculine form here. So those who say that it should be translated otherwise, they, they're ignoring the, the actual text, what's actually painted for us here. But I want to make a couple more connections with, with the seven eyes before we move on. First, I want to connect it to Revelation chapter 5, verse 16, because I think it's I think it's a connection that we can't ignore. Yeah, so this is so this is the I was while you were talking about that, I looked this up to, just to kind of fact check myself. I kicked the table. So the so when we when we refer to nations biblically, yeah. This is what I was thinking. One of the seven nations is called the Canaanites. Canaanites, and I'm gonna I'm gonna murder these names. Oh, I'm excited. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> While the others are called the Amorites, the the Hittites, the Hivites. Don't slow down. Just the, read it as fast the, as possible the, with authority, and nobody will question Jeb- you. No, I don't. 
Come on, man, help me out. You know what I'm talking about. You've studied this out. But those were the seven nations that that I was brought to mind. Like basically, like right now, like we're seeing this cornerstone put down, and there's seven eyes upon it, mm-hmm. seven nations looking at it, going, what like watching this happen, what's gonna happen? Like, are is this something we're gonna follow? Is this something we're gonna get behind? Right. So, and, and the only reason that I say that, um, is because it says in, in, in my translation at the end of verse nine and the Lord almighty are, and I will engrave an inscription on it says the Lord almighty, and I will remove the sins of this land in a single day. So in my mind, he didn't say like this land, like that to me is like, I will remove sin from the land the land like all nations in yes. one day right which he has the power to do so i'm getting into my final thought on that so i don't want to i don't want to get too far into that more to come yeah more to come but that's kind of where when i read seven eyes on the stone not like not like anything was on the stone more as from the other side looking at the stone yeah right cuz you say you know you hear the phrase all eyes are on me or all eyes are on that. We're all watching this. We're all going to, we're all looking to see what happens here. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of where I went with that. That's a cool connection. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. I'm going to offer a, a, a counter view to that, not in disagreement with it, but just right. another view of, of a possibility here, connecting it to revelation chapter five, verse 16, which says, Oh wait, read it wrong again. Verse six. Good grief. I write small. And it's hard for me to read my own handwriting, especially right when I can't lean down at it. Chapter five, verse six, I apologize. And it says, and I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing. It's Jesus. As if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So it seems like Revelation five, six here is defining that, it, that the seven eyes are on Yeshua, on Jesus. But then right. it goes on to define what the seven eyes and seven hordes represent, and it's the seven spirits. Okay. The, what, what some would call the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, for what that means, I think we have to turn to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. I know I'm jumping around, but we kind of have to right. with this to explain the this imagery is, here. This is getting good. I'm going to read, actually, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 because that's important because it actually connects it here. And I didn't, <laughs> I honestly didn't know that. It's very cool. So Isaiah chapter 11, verses one and two says, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we have him called the branch here too. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will, I'm going to stop there actually. So we have the spirit of the Lord is the number one, and then that's followed by all these defining characteristics, and when you add them all up, it's seven. Mm-hmm. So I believe it represents a sevenfold. It's the same spirit, but but offering different gifts and manifested in different ways. Right. Does that kind of make sense? Mm-hmm. We're not going to dive too much into the weeds on that, but I believe that's sort of what we have represented here. Because again, Revelation defines the seven eyes as representing the seven spirits. And it seems like Isaiah is defining what the spirit 
how the spirit manifests in seven forms. Okay. Flowing from the branch. Right. So flowing from Jesus. Right. Which is, again, new covenant, new covenant from right. Jesus himself said, until I ascend into heaven, I can't send the spirit. Why? Because the spirit flows from him. Right. He had to, he had to ascend to heaven so that the spirit could flow to us from him. Okay. And we have Zechariah prophesying this same event. This, this same, again, new covenant imagery, Jesus imagery, messianic imagery all over this chapter. Right. I'm going to read the final verse and then we're going to kind of discuss okay. a little bit and we can, we can get into whatever you have left. In that day, so it's talking about, let me back up. So it says, and it, I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, the day that the iniquity is removed, mm-hmm declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. You can take that two ways. That that uh, the his in that reference is the neighbor, or you can take it as the his being Jesus's. All right. His his own Yeshua's. I took it as the neighbor because generally whenever they do that, they capitalized his. Yeah. But they didn't. So I took it as like it'll 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 be neighbors. I think that's how the translators right. take it, but that will that basically will all be we're all family. Mm-hmm. We're all because we talked about that last week, where it was if you dined with somebody, you were you were humbled with them, right? Where you you know you were you were connecting with them. Yes, right. The reason I think you can maybe take that both ways is because frequently we have the vine and the fig tree representing who Jesus. Jesus, yeah. So, so we have, we have people inviting, inviting their neighbor to sit under the vine and under the fig tree. I believe this is poetic. This is a poetic, a poetic word picture of sharing the gospel of witnessing. Right. I have freedom and I have freedom in Jesus. Come join me here. Right. Well, I mean, also, and just confirmed from the verse that you just read that he sprang up as if a branch. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you, and that's again, it's, it's a, it's a vision of a tree. It is absolutely that, that we're all, that we're all part of the, the tree, you know, and we all sit underneath it. Yep. So, yeah. And obviously I didn't, I, I kind of glossed over it. The removing the iniquity of that land in one day is clearly pointing to what the Messiah would do. Right. What he, what he did on the cross when he cried out, it is finished to tell us die. Mm-hmm. It's done. He healed, he healed the iniquity in one day, but you can't you can't receive the healing of your iniquity until you do what? Does an atheist have the healing from the iniquity? No. So you have to believe, right? You right, have to yeah. you have to sit under the vine. Yeah. You have to sit under the fig tree. Sorry, it took me a minute to get there. I was like, you have to I mean, you have to believe it and you yeah. have to live it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's like it wasn't a trick question. Like, are you yeah. <laughs> You're used to my trick questions. Yeah. I apologize. That was a softball. <laughs> you have to believe. Right. And, and sitting under the, the vine, sitting under the fig tree is a picture of coming into faith. Right. Coming home, like the prodigal son coming home. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what we have pictured here. He offers the forgiveness. Right. You just have to come to him and believe. Essentially what he's saying is everything in the first half of chapter three that was done for Joshua, the high priest, coming, coming humbly into the presence of the most high, silent, the most high silencing the accuser accepting Joshua, even while he was clothed in his own sin and clothing him in righteousness, he's saying, I'm offering that to everybody. What he's saying here is Joshua, the high priest, isn't special. 
Right. I'm offering what I've done for him to anyone who will accept it. Yep. Anyone can come into, into the presence of the Most High in the name of Jesus, clothed in their iniquity, and be healed. Have the, have the filthy garments removed and festal robes put on. Mm-hmm. However, there's an if. This entire chapter is smeared in messianic and new, new covenant context. The entire chapter. Right. right in the middle of this chapter, we have Joshua the high priest being admonished by the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service. You can't disconnect that verse from the messianic and new covenant imagery in all the surrounding verses. Right. You can't say that Joshua the high priest in verses 1 through 6 represents our relationship to Jesus. You can't say that Zechariah chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 represents our relationship with Jesus and then say, but verse 7, that's just for the Jews. Verse 7, that's Old Covenant. Verse 7, that doesn't apply to me in the New, co- in the new Covenant context because this entire chapter is New Covenant context. It's all looking forward. All of it is looking forward to the new covenant. Mm-hmm. It's all pointing to, to Yeshua's work, Jesus' work for us on the cross, right? right? We don't earn our salvation. We can't take off our own filthy garments, right? right. We don't have access to put on the, the, the festal robes until he hands them to us. We, we can't put on his righteousness until he hands it to us, right? right. We can try. Mm-hmm. I've tried. We'll fail. We have to come to him in his presence with humility and have him hand the ropes to us. But then he tells us, strive to walk in my ways, which linking that to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, he defines as my commandments, my instructions, right? Right. It's not asking for perfection. He knows he won't get it from us. He's just asking us to love him enough to try. That's what he's asking for. Yep. And he removes the uncleanness from us. It's all new covenant context. Don't, don't. Don't try to perform textual surgery and remove verse 7 because verse 7 is important because it, it, it's the glue that holds all of this together. Right. Right. It's our heart condition toward him. Like you said before, he, he, he has expectations of us in return. Right. I guess, like, or, you know, it's the, glue, it's the glue that holds the, the becoming clean to the staying clean. Yes. You know, from the, from the, Saved, you know, that's that, that, like you said, it's the glue in between, between the, what I just said, the becoming clean and then staying clean. Right. Connecting it to, to last week in our discussion on the prodigal son, what if the prodigal son had taken the clean robes and then said, bye dad, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back where I came from. Thank you. Take the clean robes and then wallow around in the pig pen. They became just as filthy as the as the mm-hmm. garments that were removed to begin with. And what does he have to do again? Return. Return again. Which is, as we talked about last week, a picture of repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what we have pictured here. He's telling Joshua, repent. Joshua's humility in the presence of the Most High is a picture of the first part of repentance, regret, right. and understanding that you're sinful. The second part of repentance is actively striving to return home. Yep. And that's what he's telling him here with the if. He's defining what that looks like. It looks like doing what the father asks out of love for the father. Yeah. I liken that as, you know, trying to keep the garments clean. Yes. It's not, you're not going to, it's not going to be perfect. 
you're gonna you're gonna spill stuff on it. You're gonna get stains. Exactly. But that's where His grace comes in to wash those clean again. But you are still striving to keep them clean. Yeah. You're not running through puddles and walling around in the mud, and then going, "Well, I guess I need cleaned again." Yeah. You know. Grace is like one of those tied cleaning sticks, one of those spot cleaning sticks. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't write parables. Yeah, the tide, the tides, yeah. Yeah. The tide, well, there's the, I actually have a name for them, the tide pen or something like that. Yeah. They call it like a miracle pen or something. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> it's the miracle pen. The miracle pen. <laughs> miracle grace pen. Got sin, miracle pen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus brand miracle pens. I dig it. For the stains in your garments. I dig it. Everything, everything that the Most High does for Joshua, the high priest here, he's offering to us. Yep. But he's also offering us the same expectations and we've got to stop. We've got to stop trying to wallow in our sin while seeking the the benefits of grace. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, yeah. we, we don't get to just redefine sin as an excuse to continue sinning. Right. He doesn't accept it. We don't have that authority. Nobody has that authority. So. And before we, we close it out, I just want to, I just want to highlight too that, that, cause I wanted to back up since we established in verses eight through 10, that this is all messianic, all messianic imagery. And he says that Joshua is a symbol Jesus did what Joshua did here. Jesus did that for us. Right. Jesus allowed, willingly came down and allowed himself to be covered in, in, in iniquity, but not his own. Think about that for a second. Joshua, the person, the human, is, is carrying his own iniquity here. The filthy garments he's wearing are his own. Jesus agreed to come down and put our filthy gar- garments on himself. Every yep. single one of us. Not the filthy garment, not the weight of one person's filthy garments, the weight of the whole world's filthy garments. He willingly shouldered for us, willingly stood silently while Satan in the, in the, in the, in the person of his pawns accused him, beat him, and mistreated him, and crucified him. Yep. He took all that. Just like Joshua here, not saying a word. Jesus did the same thing, not saying a word. Joshua, here's a picture of what Jesus would ultimately do for us. He took on our filthy garments. He took the accusations of Satan, and he didn't breathe a word in response. And the Most High accepted that, accepted that, clothed him. He didn't even need to clothe, but, but the, the act of, essentially, he, he did all the hard stuff right. so that we could be clothed with the festal robes that Joshua gets here. Yep. We need to have a very keen understanding of the lengths that Jesus went through to rescue us. Mm-hmm. And if we really meditated on how far he went to pull us out of the fire, like he did, right. to, 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 to take that brand and pluck it out of the fire, like he did for us, I think we would be less prone to be so casual in disobeying him. Yep. We've got to take that verse seven admonition more seriously because he certainly took it seriously for us. Yep. And if we love him, we'd show it. We'd strive to show it. Let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. Um, so 
one small one before I get into the bigger one. In the last, the last, in the last verse, verse ten, you know, when each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under the vine and the fig tree. I I think the imagery there is like when when you think of sitting underneath a tree, right? It's no other word came to me besides peace. Like when you the tranquility of his, the, yeah. So yeah. when you you receive your your new garments and you f- fulfill your requirements, you keep you keep. Let me let me get my words right. You walk in his ways and keep my requirements. When that happens, the peace on the other side of that, I can't. That's one thing that I have always tried to put words to. Like when you find that on the other side, it it's to me it's indescribable. It the, is the peace that you walk with each day. That, and I think that's where some of the the fire comes out of people is when when they when they stop walking in that way they lose that peace and then they forget what it's like because that's one other thing as one of the things as a Christian man is I want my my this kind of goes back to my my beginning I want my wife to feel that I want my child to feel that I want my neighbor to feel that I want that the world to feel that peace. So that's what pushes us to share, right? Yeah. To witness because we can't describe that peace, that inner peace in your heart. It's undescribable. And the only way to know that is through him. So I said that was little, but that's kind of what that's it just that I wanted to get that in there. Cause we, we went through the last verse so quickly. Yeah. So, sorry. But, yeah, yeah. No. So, but then I think it's also, and this is kind of my, my big final thought in the way that he took and the ease that it is to take a garment off of somebody and put another one on. He literally took the sin from an entire world and put the entire world in the clean robes. Yeah. So for anybody to say, well, I, I am too dirty. I am too far gone. You're talking about the individual that took the sin from the whole entire world. And one time as easily as he took a garment off one person, he took it off the entire world. So when you say, I am too dirty, brother, you're not. Yeah. Sister, you're not. You are no less dirty than Joshua was. You are no less dirty than the rest of the world. You are no less important for him to take those off. That's my final thought. Well, the guys at the round table will love to hear me say this. I don't want to follow that. <laughs> well, that's not what I was going for, but. That fits in very well with my final thought is simply a, a reference. It's a reference from the book of Joel. 
Do you remember what caused the prodigal son to come home from last week? The physical cause that drove him home. The physical cause? I think he was hunger. Do you remember hunger. what caused that? Why Why there was hunger? Uh, well, the he had no... He he was... What God sent. What the Father oh, sent. he sent famine. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. There was yeah, famine. Famine, famine led to hunger, yeah. which led to him seeking service and then was in the, in the pig pen and was like, I can't even get pig slop. Yes. I'm tired of this. I'm going yes. home. The stumbling block yeah. that was put in his path to redirect him back mm-hmm. to the Father's house to link it to the top half of this episode was famine. Right. Specifically. When you read the- I got there eventually. Yeah, we got there. I loved it. <laughs> when we read the book of Joel, that's what we have pictured is, it's like the prodigal son. He's talking to the whole nation of Israel, but they're all like prodigal sons and daughters. They've all strayed away from him and they refuse to come back home. And he literally sends a famine into the land. That's what the book of Joel, there's a lot of end times imagery. There's mm-hmm. parallels there. But for those people in that time, what he physically sent on the land to draw them back to himself was famine. It was his last resort. He had tried to warn them. He had tried to coax them back. He had tried to be gentle. They wouldn't listen. Right. So he had to make them uncomfortable, and he, he specifically sent a famine. We come to chapter 2, verse, verse 12. I'm going to read verse 12 and 13, but by the time we come to 12 and 13, he's, he's given a lot of of. Of in just in just a chapter and a half, uh, a detailed description of this famine and how horrible it is, right? And it's not because he wants to send famine; it's because they've given him no choice, and he loves the people too much to let them go. It's the only way to get them back to himself again. So we come to verse twelve, and it's in the in the throes of this famine, as bad as it can possibly get, and their sin is as bad as it can possibly get too. Right. To connect it to your final thought. They are filthy. Right. They are filthy at this point. And he says this, and this will be my final thought. Yet, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. No matter how filthy you are, yet even now, return to me. To you all out in podcast land, we want to thank you so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing. For any questions, comments, or feedback, you can find us on Facebook. 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 Find us on Facebook or email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this has been a publication of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. Shalom. God bless.